Welcome to Profits Affogato, a podcast all about growing a profitable business that pours over into your life. I'm your host, Sarah Verhayen, online entrepreneur, wife, and mom of two. I'm the owner of Marish Books, where we help small business owners grow their profits by embracing the number side of their business. It's our mission to make business and accounting more human. Whether you consider yourself not a numbers person or you think playing in spreadsheets is a fun time, you're welcome here. So pour a cup of coffee and join me for inspiration, stories, and action steps to create the life of your dreams and a business you love. I'm here today with Laura, which I am so excited about. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here and chat with you again. Yes. So Laura and I have been connected for a while and she is my go-to person for all things human design, especially as it relates to business and family. So we were talking a little bit before this episode about doing a case study with me. So I'm excited and nervous about what that's going to be like. Yeah. Well, just in my mind, I was thinking you've had so much transition in the last year, especially since we did our first reading. And so I was thinking that there's just some things that came up in that reading. And I actually re-listened to part of it yesterday, just to kind of, I was like, what did I say? I don't even remember. I remembered a few things, but just to like, you know, it's almost been a year, Mm -hmm. I think, since we did that. And so you had, you've gone full time in your business. And I was kind of cracking up at when we talked about that and just how it all kind of progressed. And so maybe just spotlighting you a little bit and talking about how that relates to your human design and how you've kind of used it to expand your life and your business and your, you know, using your energy. So, yeah. So before we dive into all that, can you give kind of the backstory about your background and how you got into human design and all the things? Yes. So my background is in accounting. I was In the CPA world, I worked in public accounting for a little bit, and then I worked for a startup for several years as a director of finance, burnt myself out quite a bit. And (laughs) then I quit and I decided I wanted to start my own accounting business. And as I was doing that, I was finding that I still was so burnt out. And I wasn't really attracted to that idea. And I started helping more accountants with mindset and coaching in that sort of way. And then I did that for about a year. And I, along that period, I had a client that said, have you looked into human design? I feel like you would really like it. And this was another, she has a firm in Chicago and I was like, no. And so this has been, it's been two years now since she kind of invited me to look at it and it kind of went from there. And I was thinking that I love helping accountants and I love helping women in business. Now I love helping mothers too, because I'm a mother. And so I I started looking into it and I was thinking I needed a sort of a system, right? Because I knew I was helping people, but I was struggling with having something to tie it all together and make it sort of unique to people and have a sort of blueprint. And so for me, that's become human design. And so I've helped you. I've worked with a lot of CPAs and women in finance, mothers, business owners. I just did a partnership reading a couple of weeks ago with two business owners. They have a design business. And so then learning about each other's design and how they work together. So it's been really rewarding to use sort of my own design to help accountants and 
mothers and business owners. So yeah, I love that so much. It's so cool how it helps you know how to navigate relationships and learn more about others. Like I could see a whole program around like corporate team building kind of things with human design. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really enjoy it because I think especially in corporate world, we try to put people in boxes so much. And that's something that you really disliked about it, right? That was one of the things that we talked about. And likewise, and so human design really highlights the uniqueness of everyone and really the understanding and respect that's deserved of people and what is consistently them and what are their limitations, right? And so once we have that understanding, it's really hard to belittle someone, maybe some relationships just don't work out and it's not correct for people to be working together, but there's this grounded understanding. And I think now, especially in the world, we need more understanding of the uniqueness of everyone than ever. So mm-hmm. absolutely. I love it. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting when you said, so you went off to start your own business, but you found you were still burnt out, which is not something you hear very often. Usually it's like starting your own business is the answer. Can you tell me more about that and how you figured out that even having your own business wasn't the answer for you? Yeah. I actually was talking about this yesterday because the girl that I helped hire to take my position at my previous corporate job, we actually got lumped yesterday. And so I was kind of reflecting to her how much has changed and that I quit my job thinking that I was, that that was the answer that, and really what I've realized over the past couple of years is that I really needed to manage my energy. And so when I quit, I was still filling my calendar. Like I was so used to being busy that I was filling it with stuff all day long. Anyone that asked me to do something, yep, I'll do it. Yep. I can fit that in here. Oh, I'll do that, you know, tomorrow night or whatever, taking on too many things, saying yes to too many people. I hadn't learned my lesson yet. Mm -hmm. I thought the job was the problem. And while there's some things that were an issue there, as far as not perhaps respecting, you know, my needs, there was still this, I wasn't setting boundaries at all. And so I had to take time off and I did. And then about a year into self-employment, I got pregnant and then I I cut out everything. I just stopped working <laughs> because I I couldn't function. It was like I was, it was, it had to happen that way, I guess, for me. So that was my real learning curve of understanding that it was going to be okay. And fortunately, we had the means to kind of cut back for that period of time. And now I'm five months postpartum and I have lots of different opportunities coming to me, but I know thanks to human design, especially how to make the decision of what's correct or what I think might be correct in my next path, right? And who denying people and saying, no, that doesn't really fit for me. Or after hearing what they need saying, "Mm, I'm not the person for you, right? That's kind of been the, the lesson in all of this. Yeah, that's so good. So if any of my listeners are not familiar with human design, can you go through very briefly like the main five types? And then I think it'd be also really interesting since you just talked about how your design allows you to have a better way, I guess, of making decisions Mm -hmm. while you go through, if you could say like just bare level, which kind of strategy for decision-making is ideal for each type. Sure. So I'll start with mine. I am a projector type. And so these types do not have 
consistent energy. They are here to guide people. It's all human design is all about kind of the energy you put forth into the world. And so projectors are really guiding. They are really, they can see people really well and see what they need. They work really well one-on-one and they're, they wait for people to invite them into their world. And so that was something that was huge for me to learn because in the business world, we think we have to initiate everything. Go get it. Go get what you want. Get the money, get the jobs, get the clients. Just go, go, it. go, go, go. Just do it. <laughs> and so that was just, that was hard. That was really hard to unravel that. And that was kind of getting pregnant and having to just sit back and just integrate my design. It was a forceful, you're going to sit down and you're going to wait and you're going to relax a little bit. So that's a projector. And then, so projectors are here to guide the generators. You are a subtype of a generator. So you're a manifesting generator. Generators are sort of the doers of the world. They have consistent energy, energy for lots of things. As long as it brings them some sort of bliss and happiness, they really move things along in the world. And they are also here to wait, but they respond to life. So they can know if something's correct depending on their authority, if they're, you're emotional. So it takes you a little bit longer to kind of go through a wave of emotions to decide something, but they really can feel something's correct for them in their body versus a projector. It's, is this invitation correct for me? Is this, is this where I want to put my energy? Do I have enough energy for this? There's a different sort of energetic that happens between those two, but they both are here to wait. Mm-hmm. essentially, and wait for something either to respond to or an explicit invitation saying, you have this gift and I want to use it, basically. Mm-hmm. Manifestors are what we think we all are. So manifestors are here to initiate. They inform a lot. And most people think that they are a manifester. They've been living their life as a manifester because, like I said, in the business world, we initiate everything. They get, they get things started. They're not here to finish things. They're not here to do a bunch. They don't also don't have consistent energy, but manifestors are really, they're not, there's like what 8% of the world is a manifester. So oh, okay. we've been all thinking that we're manifestors and this is what we should be doing and been conditioned that way. And that's not actually correct. Right. And so manifestors ushered in sort of that type ushered in a lot of change in the world and a lot of, you know, humanity, basically. And now they're kind of moving out and letting the projector, the guides kind of move the generators and to create sort of this new energetic in the world, the new way of living. And so you kind of think about that. I mean, you and I can both talk forever about how we come to value ourselves a lot more and not about what we're doing or what our title is, but just that we're inherently valuable. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where we're moving in the world, right? We don't need these sort of, it's, it's an individual process, not these kind of more tribal systems, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the, the manifester and they do things as soon as it's clear to them that they need to do them basically. And then reflector are super rare. They're kind of the unicorns. That's the last type. They are here to kind of gauge the environment as like, is everything, I want to say, is everything kosher, right? Is this environment good? They're just so open 
their aura. And so they, they're really kind of rare and it's actually hard to talk about them because they are so rare. And so part of with human design, it's like, you don't meet many reflectors Mm -hmm. even, but if you are listening to this podcast and you are one, I can refer you to some reflectors in human design. If you want to know more, even me giving a reading to a reflector does not do them justice because there's such a, there's such like a rare unicorn (laughs) kind of, they're very needed because they kind of gauge where the world's at essentially. And it, and is our environment conducive to what we want? They have to wait a whole lunar cycle to basically decide if something's correct for them because they're so affected by the planets and the moon. And this gets into like the whole esoterics of human design, which anyone can Google what human design is, but essentially it's the synthesis of five different kind of ancient modalities. So you have astrology, you've got the Jewish Kabbalah, Chinese hexagram, you've got quantum physics, the Hindu chakras, like all of those things are are within human design and make up the synthesis of what the information the blueprint provides. So these have been around forever. It's just that they were able to put them all together and show the connectedness between all of those modalities. Yeah, super interesting. Gosh, to be a reflector, like I thought my emotional wave was like a long time to wait to make a decision. I can't imagine waiting a whole like lunar cycle. That's yeah, a very long. You have to be very patient for that. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. And yeah, and if you don't know your human design type, I'll have Laura send me the best link that you recommend for like the website to go mm-hmm. look it up. And it's just based on your birth, birth time and place, yes. right? Correct. Yes. So just similar to if you're going to look up your astrological chart Mm -hmm. or anything, it's the same process. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to dive into the case study? (laughs) Yes. So I just wanted to highlight you, as I said, I don't know how far you've gone into your journey this past year on your podcast, but I just wanted to say one of the things that Sarah and I talked about on during her reading a year ago was that she needed an outlet for her voice and to be able to share not only her skills, which she's so she's got this connection to her throat center and this need to kind of have this individual voice and way to express herself. And so that was the first one I wanted to highlight because here we are, you created a podcast. Finally. (laughs) Yes. And so I wanted to ask, how has that been having this sort of outlet knowing that, was it conscious to you? Like, did you remember that we had talked about that or was it just kind of natural? I did not remember that a podcast. So I've been an you know avid podcast listener for years. And in the back of my mind, I thought it would be cool to have one. But I remember when I first started my business, and I started working with a coach a lot about like self worth and value and all of that. I was like, yeah, you know, it'd be cool to start a podcast someday. But I honestly didn't find myself like worthy enough or valuable enough or what I had to mm-hmm. say, I didn't think was valuable enough. And so I had to break through a lot of that to even consider the idea of doing it. And then it just came down to like, when did I have the energy to go for it? Mm -hmm. Yep. And the thing about, so I explained that you were a manifesting generator. The difference between the generator and the manifesting generator is that you have always like just this constant, consistent way of expressing what it is that you have energy for, right? 
And so for you, that was definitely this connection to your skills and being able to express what you're good at, right? And then doing it in an individualized way. Like, I don't want to be cookie cutter, right? And so it was it was kind of almost forced upon you too. It was like, I'm going all in on my business and this is the next way that I can kind of use partially my creativity to express myself. And you have lots of irons in the fire because I watch <laughs> you and, you know, we have, we have some fun stuff coming between us as well. And so being able to use your creativity as a manifesting generator, I mean, you as a manifesting generator, you just move through things so quickly. You have this ability to know, okay, once it's solid for me, I know that it's correct. I can move on it and no one else can move on it quite as fast as a manifesting generator can mm-hmm. once it's clear to them. And that's the other funny part is, is that you as a manifesting generator, you can skip through steps. So I don't know how even in business, maybe this is a an honesty moment, but do you have like checklists for your accounting business? As far as like monthly client work? Yeah. Yeah. How did those go for you? I don't usually like go through each and every checklist. I have like just the big picture of like where everybody's at. Yeah. Yeah. That's a typical like manifesting generator thing is to just want to skip through. Checklists (laughs) are really hard to follow for them because they're like, I'm already on to the next thing. Right. Yeah. Your energy (laughs) is so buzzy. Mm -hmm. And so it's always good to keep that in check too. Mm -hmm. But as long as you have a good idea about what needs to happen and what's going on and you're still feeling good about helping clients in this way, then it's perfect. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's one of those things that always felt like kind of immature about myself or childish. Like even growing up, I was very musical, played a lot of instruments Mm -hmm. and in high school I played bassoon, but then I was in pit percussion. So I was doing marimba and I ended up again, multiple things at the same time, of course, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know like voluntarily doing a solo and ensemble in marimba as well as bassoon because it was required for bassoon. But I was like, well, I want to do it for marimba too. And, you know, so that went great. But all the time I would like pick new music for marimba to start learning. And I would get, you know, halfway, three quarters of the way through. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm moving on. And I was like, gosh, how like, you know, immature that I'm not finishing the piece. Like I'm not learning the mm-hmm. whole thing. Mm-hmm. But so it's interesting to move through that. Like you don't have to, if you don't want to, if you're ready to move on to something else, then move on to something else. Yeah. Have, do you feel like that you finally given yourself permission to do that now as an adult? Yeah. Even like if I start a book and I don't feel like finishing it, like I don't have shame around that. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Like, so you know, perfect. if it's a really, if it's meant for me and, you know, if I'm really enjoying it and getting a lot out of it, I will finish it, you know, but I don't like, oh, you have to finish this because you won't get like, you know, an, a gold star at school or something like that, you know? Right. Right. And you're a mother. And so even Mm. knowing that about yourself, and I forget, you might have told me your boys' designs, but even just having knowing that about yourself and knowing that maybe for your kids too, that's the perfect lesson, right? We get to, that's a beautiful thing about motherhood is we get to rewrite some of these things Mm -hmm. and the pressure that we were under. And it's like, I don't want to put my child through that, you know, what I did. And so it's okay to be, especially if you know, as a manifesting generator, like you get to float around and just see what, what sticks. And sometimes nothing ever sticks, but that in our society is so hard for people to accept. Right. And it can be seen as a limitation or a gift. (laughs) 
And so you can be kind of this jack of all trades in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just like the fact that jack of all trades is seen as a bad thing. But I remember a quote somewhere where it's like, actually, it's been misinterpreted this whole time. I don't remember. I have to look it up. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. And interestingly, the transits. So the planets are always moving and we have things lighting up in our charts at all times. You actually have the jack of all trades channel and you've had it for about six months and you'll have it for, I think, perhaps another year or so. So it's just interesting because I've watched you and it's like all these things have started, right? Mm -hmm. And part of that channel is wanting, it's called the channel of transitoriness. It's wanting to have all of these experiences so then you can, you can share them, right? That's a, and, and diving into certain traits, essentially. You probably have more stuff in the fire, irons in the fire than I even know about yeah. that you're doing, right? <laughs> Always. Like, oh, there she, there she is again, you know, whereas a, as I'm a projector, you know, I want to learn systems. Mm. So this is one system that I'm learning. And I still, now that I've had a break, I still sometimes want to go back into certain sort of business consulting guidance as far as labor efficiencies and like ratios and like weird nerdy accounting stuff like that you know too so Mm -hmm. i'm kind of dabbling as well and it's nice to give yourself permission to do that Mm -hmm. so so if somebody wanted to learn about let's say people on their team and work Mm -hmm. or employees or contractors or things like that about their colleagues human design what do you think would be like the top two or three things to look at and kind of shape how they interact with them. Yeah. So you can go really deep with human design and it can look really overwhelming when you pull a chart. I think you can uh, yes, relate absolutely. to that. I was like, Laura, help. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so many numbers. <laughs> yes. So first would be type, which we discussed. So that's the energy type. It's knowing who on your team has consistent energy, who should really be guiding, who is great even at, you know, a manifester is going to be great usually at like sales pitches and expressing what it is you're selling if you are selling something. That's one t- one thing that I would definitely look at. I'd also look at profiles, which we haven't gotten into yet. So we can go into that next, but these are kind of the roles that you play in your life. And so that's also very helpful. So yours is, I'd actually just, you know, almost stop there for mm-hmm. a business. And then after that, after you kind of get a grasp on that, you can go into the strategy authority of someone, which will inevitably, when you're looking at these things, and if you Google them, they're going to be in the write-up of all of these things. But the, it's the to wait, the wait for the invitation, the informing, or waiting for the lunar cycle, which is the reflector. So those are the those are the main points that I would look at as a business owner. Be careful of making decisions based on that. Be like, well, I want workers, so I'm only going to hire generators. Mm. It's not the correct way to really look at human design. And that is the point of it is, yes, decision making, but it's to allow yourself to get distance from your mind because what we realize, and you've done lots of mindset work, is our mind is not necessarily our friend. It usually is blocking us from a lot of joy (laughs) in our life. And the mind doesn't go away. The mind, it it just constantly is talking, but especially for certain designs, I'm a mental projector. The mental part of that is my mind is always talking. 
but it's to get distance from that. So when you're making decisions about team members and stuff, and all of a sudden you're going to decide, oh, I'm going to decide based on their human design or something. That's not correct. But Mm -hmm. it is nice if you have an established team and you come from a place of, I want to understand them better. Mm -hmm. That is, that's help. That will be helpful for you. Right. But you won't get anywhere if you start making mental decisions about people and putting them in boxes and yeah, all of definitely. that. That's no one wants to be treated that way. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no one wants to be treated that way. But I wanted to touch on your profile too, since I mentioned it. You're a six two, which is also what I am. So the the six is a role model. So you're here to role model for people which I think you stepped into that more and more. The six goes through three phases of life. And so you are now, when we first talked, you were just finishing up your Saturn return, which is a big deal in astrology too. It's this period of time where you're kind of moving into maturity. And for a six, it's a big deal because you're moving from trial and error in your life and trying different things to feeling more established. And also in this, we call it the roof. You go up on the roof and you're kind of watching the world. You're seeing what goes on. You're role modeling for other people. You're sharing things. So the podcast is also perfect because you've had some personal shares on here. What have I learned right? <laughs> in, in my business? What have I learned from working in corporate and moving into business full time and starting these other businesses? You know, it's all role modeling. And I just think that's so perfect. And you always, and now that you're kind of out of that period of your life, you just feel almost so much more settled to me in a way. You're just like, it's just this grounding kind of thing that happens with the sixth line. It's like, wow, that was a bit tumultuous and a bit wild. And now I'm moving out of it and I'm going to sit up on my roof, on my perch, and I'm going to watch watch the world kind of thing and and then share what I have and role model ever is my passion basically Mm -hmm. which is so odd I've never seen myself in that light although I've been put in that you know I was never the type to volunteer for a leadership position but they were like I think you should be in a leadership position you know because of that like leading by example so it's kind of cool that that lines up in my chart too (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and do you feel different like as far as if you're reflecting on the past, let's say three years, mm-hmm. how do you feel today? Uh, like a different person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like this total, almost like rebirth. Right. Sort of, and I could line. say it's because of all like the mindset work and the coaching and everything, but then it's like, well, why did all of that even occur to me to go into, you know, like mm-hmm. it's chicken or the egg thing, like one way or another, it was going to happen. So, well, and it was this preparation mm-hmm. sort of, of, I know that because we don't really have a choice, like your body moves into this sort of solitude anyway, especially we'll get into the two line, which is a hermit. So mm-hmm. it's like solitude on solitude. Right. And so the, it's already moving. And so it's almost like you just, for your mind, you needed that kind of, here's the perhaps logical reasons why you need to manage your mind and why you're you're inherently valuable and your worth and you kind of sought out some of those things because they just felt right it was happening anyway (laughs) and so it's like your mind needed something to eat on like chew on whether it was books or podcasts or whatever to be like okay I guess this is happening anyway and so we're just going to move move into this period right yeah and then we have the hermit so 
again, can totally relate to this. You and I are both six twos, really hermiting and waiting for people to call you out on your your gifts. And you just told me before the call about a, a contract opportunity of someone calling you and saying, hey, can you come down from your perch and come help us? <laughs> and you're like, yep, for price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely can. But that's what the hermit is. It's it's the natural. It's the natural person. It's the the calling the, the people see your gifts. You don't even know as a hermit what sometimes your gifts are mm-hmm. and people just call them out of you. So you just said that too with the leadership thing. Mm-hmm. You're like, that's not apparent to me, but okay. Yeah. I guess I guess so. And you responded and said yes, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just funny how affirming human design can be when we like take a step back and it's like, yep, I've been living this way Mm -hmm. in in some ways. And how, yeah, how affirming it is and to like solidify that it's okay that you're the way that you are. Like you don't need to change yourself to conform to society and the quote unquote rules that are just nonsense. And yeah. I love it for that reason to just accept who you are and use those strengths to your mm-hmm. advantage. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's, I don't think I've ever had a reading where there was nothing I said ever landed with someone, you know, there's different variations of who's open for what. And we just in human design are honest about what we see, but it always is. There's some, there's something there. Even for you, I remember when you're talking, I'm looking at you, like your environment in human design. So everyone has a ideal environment that they digest their world in the best and work the best in. And yours is a cave, yep. right? And so yep. you're already, you're in your cave right now. <laughs> I remember when she told me that I was like, I have never heard something so accurate about myself. Yeah. Like and I sometimes did. that's all you need, right? Yeah. You just need that little tidbit of being yeah. like, oh, Okay, so it's all right that I'm not like everyone and I want to go work on my couch as an entrepreneur or right. in an open office space. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's and like, I do me? love like the relationship and being around people and like that to an extent, but then like to recharge, I'm like, okay, just like huddle away by myself. And <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep. And so, yeah, and yours is, I think, cave selective is what it's called. So it's being, there's still this selectivity about who you're around, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And even it's so funny when I went full-time in business, one of the first things I did was check out co-working spaces because I do like being around people. You know, I would get very, go a little bit crazy if I was just at home by myself all day. And so, and I went to two and one was like one of the big, bigger, well-known kind of national ones. Mm -hmm. And then one was this little, like, you know, quote unquote, mom and pop, like just owned by a local couple and very, a lot smaller. And just had a totally different vibe and like welcome and acceptance of everybody. And I was like, that's the one. <laughs> that's awesome. Where did you, I just am curious, where did you sit? Like when you went in there, what chair did you pick or what office did you pick and what did it look like? So there wasn't quite like a cave available, <laughs> but so just like a big room with three tables and I sat at the back table. Yeah. And did you face the door? I faced the kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, the interesting thing about caves is having it's primal. So you want the security and then wherever the commotion is, you want to be able to see it. You don't oh, want yeah. to have your back to it. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. So that's why I was curious. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Back and mine is, mine is kitchen. So I might have actually chosen the same. Mm-hmm. And because of my environment, if I was in there, I might have also faced the kitchen or if there was a table in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, that's mm-hmm. why I love working in coffee shops. I don't want to be bothered. Like, please don't bother me. Mm-hmm. But I want to be around like the noise. Mm-hmm. as well because as a projector I don't have the consistent energy and so I can amplify all the generators buzzing around me and mm-hmm. so it can kind of sometimes as long as it's correct help me to get stuff done mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the interesting part about human design is there's aspects of what you what is not consistent in you can be amplified by other people and that can be helpful and it can be harmful as long as you're aware of it so mm-hmm. And I'd love to also dive a little bit into human design with your kids. So mm-hmm. yeah, I I wonder what your experience has been like, because I didn't know about human design when I became a mom, you know, I found out a couple of years later. So what has it been like to have a baby and immediately look up the chart and, yeah. <laughs> and like know what your baby's human design is? Mm-hmm. That was, it's been pretty rewarding. I mean, the biggest thing, they always say human design is for children. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's, it's really awesome that us parents are learning about it because the idea is, is that you work with your child's energy and limitations, just like we talked about with employees or team members. So that's been fun. The biggest thing, he's five months old. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing has been knowing that he, he's a manifesting generator and he's got lots of energy, like so much. (laughs) I never got the little baby, like you know, squish phase where they just like are chilling. No, that kid is, he is moving. He is moving. We went, I saw my midwife yesterday, just, I was giving her a gift and she was like, is he about to start crawling? And I was like, oh God, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Surprised. (laughs) Yeah. He just is an active kid. And one of the things about that is that with a, a generator baby is that they need to have their energy well used throughout the day. And so last night, for example, it's seven o'clock and I'm like, okay, I'm going to start putting him to bed. And I I nurse him to sleep. I think everything's good. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, 10 minutes later, he just pops back up. He's like, (laughs) hey world. And he's like squawking and babbling. (laughs) And I don't try to fight him. Mm -hmm. I can tell when he's energized and I'm like, well, all right, we're going to bring you back out into the living room. I try not to have the TV on or anything and just give him some more tummy time and wear himself out. Mm-hmm. And so I can kind of, it's just the surrender thing, you know, it's, it's that, all right, he's not tired, obviously. Sometimes he doesn't even go to sleep. That little cat nap he had, it's like he'll nurse and then he is back up ready to party, you know? Mm-hmm. And so just working with that. Whereas if maybe I had a projector child, we'd have a really long drown out night routine. Mm-hmm. They need a lot of time to get ready to fall asleep and they need a lot of sleep as a projector, right? Mm-hmm. My baby, I don't follow like, I don't follow wake windows. Mm-hmm. I don't follow. I just listen to what I just watch him. I just am aware of what he needs and what he's doing. And he's mm-hmm. a very happy kid. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly happy. So, and most of it, most of my struggle as a mother is thinking that my life should be different than it is right in that moment right now. Mm -hmm. And it's usually because I think I should be, have the laundry all put away or be able to 
make sourdough or go <laughs> do this or whatever it is that I'm thinking that I should have been doing that day and I can't do it because he's asleep or he's not asleep most of the time. And so that's been really rewarding. Yeah, I have a projector baby and a manifesting generator baby. And one of them, the projector baby definitely sleeps a little bit more. And the generator one will just be up at 6am. And he he dropped his nap very early, like down to one nap. And then you just dropped it way before other kids are doing that. So <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he's fine, you know, he's happy with it. So we don't force it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think sometimes those things are, you know, the wake windows and stuff mm-hmm. like that are good. And especially if parents are trying to figure out what's going on and their mind needs something to gnaw on as like, here's the, the structure, right? And there's mm-hmm. another aspect of our children, whether they need more structure or not, right? Are they more receptive to their environment or do they need a, a schedule? And for my son, Archie, he he's not, doesn't need a regimented schedule per human design. So that's something that I never stress myself out about. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we were struggling and he was obviously super exhausted and crying and there's lots of other things that can be happening too, teething, like very physical things, you know, we adjust. Right. But I just never bought into the idea that I have to follow these certain protocols because as you can see, your children are both completely different mm-hmm. in that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm curious, when we talk about structure, I remember there's something about, I think you glanced at one of my kids' charts, and you said something about the appetite or how like, mm-hmm. he might not want to eat at certain meal times. Mm-hmm. So if somebody was to have, let's say, I don't know, four kids, like several kids with all these different preferences and designs, how would somebody, how would, what's your advice on somebody to how to manage every kid's yeah. best like tendencies? Yes. I have a friend actually that has four with one on the way. And so they're all different. Mm-hmm. And we've discussed this and she has resorted to lots of snacks around. So mm-hmm. she does like a lot of charcuterie boards mm-hmm. and they don't, you know, they're the, the dinner tables there, but there's more snacks and they can kind of, they're getting a little bit older. I, I mean, I think they're all under seven still, but wow. she's got a five <laughs> under seven. So wow. God bless her. She, every time I think that I'm like exhausted, I think of her and I'm like, yeah. she's killing it. Like, does she ever sleep? <laughs> she does. She does. And that was one of the things that she needed as a projector mm. was to, to have a more regimented bedtime mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. And so, but she, it's interesting because she's got two little manifesting generators and they, they're the hardest ones to put to sleep, mm-hmm. of course, you know, mm-hmm. or to take naps or whatever. And, but she, that's the, that's the beautiful thing is that she knows that that's a limitation for her. And it's a beautiful thing for them is they just have a lot of energy yeah. and it's going to be fun to watch them. But as far as the snacks go or the, the meal times, you know, that was, that was how she did it. So mm-hmm. when I was talking about your child, it's that they are not going to want perhaps three meals a day. Mm-hmm. And Archie, he is a snacker, right? He doesn't do like long nursing sessions because he is also, it's, it's, he's receptive in that way. And he's, it's called right brained and you have it as well, Mm -hmm. where it's like the consistent big meals are, you're not craving them. Right. And it's just when I'm hungry, I will eat. I have a stepson who's the same way. I mean, 
I'm, I'm more structured that way. I need three meals a day, at least, <laughs> especially <laughs> while nursing. And he is, I mean, that kid hardly eats, I swear. And I'm like, you're 17 years old. Like, aren't you? I have other moms that are like, man, do you just blow through food in your house? I'm like, yeah, for me, <laughs> he hardly eats anything. <laughs> he just is. And I mean, I've never seen anyone, I can say this with confidence, especially that young, be so aware of himself and his design and his needs. And mm-hmm. he doesn't, I, we don't talk human design, but he's a projector and I just watch him and I'm like, man, if I can just not condition him in any way, even though sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the things will really as a parent sort of irk us, right? Like he, he has a very specific diet that he eats and he doesn't eat breakfast. And everyone tells you mm-hmm. your child should be eating breakfast. And it's like, well, he's healthy and he is happy. He doesn't seem to be, you know, wanting for anything. That's, that's the hard part is the societal pressure on parents to parent in a certain way in every single, I mean, is there anything untouched anymore? Right. Yeah. Yep. You can just, it's constant. Mm-hmm. And so that's the one, that's a gift of human design was being able to be like, I'm not going to explain this to you, but I just know that my kids are okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's the permission to give them what they need and mm-hmm. based on what, the type that they are and their mm-hmm. characteristics and their individual. <laughs> yeah. It's just the, it's just paying attention. Yeah. I think. And mm-hmm. there's so many things that can distract us as parents these days and the world wants us distracted in some ways. And I'm just always constantly trying to remind myself, be present, be present, pay mm-hmm. attention, be present. <laughs> Yes. So lessons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was so fun to chat with you and do the case study. Did you have anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap up? No, I'm feeling really good about about that. And of course, there's so many things we can dive into. I mean, we just barely scratched the surface of it all. So yeah. So the question I ask all my guests is, and I think I did not send you this beforehand. So I'm sorry. You're the first one that I'm just bringing this on. <laughs> but good, if you, I, I roll with it. Good. I figured you'd be okay with that. If you had to tell or could tell yourself a year ago, anything, advice, encouragement, anything, what would it be? And feel free to give a little bit of a context about where you were a year ago. Well, in the spirit of human design, the first thing that comes to me is that is waiting works. I was really skeptical of you know, the strategy of waiting for a projector and thinking, if I just sit by, like, no one's going to invite me to anything. No one's Mm going to see my gifts. Everyone's going to think I'm lazy. And as I said, I was forced into that a little bit with pregnancy. And now that I'm postpartum, I have a lot of invitations for things. Mm -hmm. And they were things that, that I wouldn't have even like, dreamed what happened two years ago with my business. I was constantly trying to find clients and all that stuff and force things upon people almost in the way the online business world seems to work. And so it's just like, I don't have to do anything Mm -hmm. in a way. I'm just cultivating. You don't wait idly by and not do anything. You're preparing, right? So you're learning things, you're reading, you're talking to people, you're you know, anyone that invites you on like a podcast to share what human design is. I mean, I have podcasts that I recorded a year ago and I'll have people randomly book with me and I heard you on this pod, you know, it works. Right. Mm -hmm. And so 
it's just, you know, expanding the network and knowing you don't have to initiate in life and waiting works. That's so funny because I literally have waiting on one of the podcast episodes ideas for me to record because I also went through waiting is hard, man, those seasons where it's just not ready. Like I felt like it was a very long time of just waiting and it wasn't ready for me to go full time yet. And it wasn't. And Mm -hmm. getting through that is tough and it teaches you a lot. (laughs) It does. It does. And it's just our mind so badly wants us to have this security. It's usually always a false security if it comes from the mind. You know, it's like, well, it's okay. I'm miserable because I'm at least getting a paycheck and I'm doing all these things. And well, and that's always the fear for me. My biggest fear half the time is money, Mm -hmm. right? It's still consistent, but it's amazing to watch the progression. I think you can relate to that Mm -hmm. of being like, wow, this actually works. Like, I'm almost, you know, I, I was talking to my husband the other day, I could be at the same, you know, gross level that I was in corporate and not, it's not that far away. Mm-hmm. It took longer than I wanted to in my like business goal dreams, but it's still going to happen. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of the, that's the goal as an entrepreneur. If you're coming from maybe a higher salary to then your own business is to mm-hmm. recoup the the salary you had and then some, right? Right. So my mind is like, Ooh, yay. <laughs> Finally. It's yeah. like I held all this impossible seeming faith that it would work, even though I didn't have the evidence. And now it's like, oh, I was right. And it's working. <laughs> it's actually yep, the evidence. evidence. <laughs> yes. 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 I love it. So where can people find you? And do you have a resource that we should link in the show notes? Yes. So I will link, I will give you my website, which is lauratorma.podia.com. That's one of the things I'm still waiting to have the energy to migrate all of my, my website stuff. I will give that to you. You can find me the easiest way, honestly, is to find me on Instagram. So it's lauratorma underscore. And I'm sure you'll link that as well when you do any of your social stuff for this episode. And then I will also give you guys just a link to look up your chart. And, Perfect. and you, if you want a reading, you can find me. I also have a membership, which Sarah was a part of for a little while, where I do, I share most of my role modeling stuff, lots of personal shares about parenting, family, business building. It's a very intimate look at how this process works for me. So yes. I share that on close friends on Instagram. And then I have a sub stack that I write to every so often about anything that I feel needs written word. And sometimes I even do podcast episodes just depends on what I feel and I'm feeling like so. Yes, I love it. It's fascinating. It's and very inspiring to watch you follow just what feels right for you and give yourself permission for that, which is something that we all, I think have a lot of work to do (laughs) on that. And yeah, yeah, definitely if you're interested and just kind of getting your feet into the human design world. I highly recommend doing a reading with Laura. It was fantastic. And I can't recommend it highly enough. So thank you so much, Laura. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Profits Affogato podcast. For all the links mentioned in the episode, check out the show notes. And as always, I'd love it if you find me on Instagram at Marish Books, screenshot the episode, and tag me in your stories with your favorite takeaway. 